1: Hello and welcome to the Food and Psych podcast, where I, Kim Blue Wilson, chartered psychologist, explore the roles, functions, and symbolism of food in our lives. And in today's episode, we venture into the world of sex. My guest is Felicity Morse, who up until very recently was the online editor of the i newspaper and was responsible for all of the digital news content. She left that role just before Christmas to focus on investigating and writing about sex and relationships. Felicity is also exploring ideas around vulnerability and in this very honest conversation we talk about her experience of emotional eating and social media addiction. I am enormously grateful to Felicity for her openness and I hope you find this conversation as insightful and fascinating as I did. Okay, so I'm here with Felicity Morse. Hello! Hi Felicity, in your living room. And we've got a lot to talk about, I think. Yeah. (laughs) We've got certainly a lot to ask you about. Okay. Um, But let's kick off where we usually cook off with these Breaking Bread episodes, which is what food was meaningful to you? What did you make? And actually, probably, what was that whole process like? Oh, gosh. So I
2: didn't realise that it would be so difficult to decide what to actually cook, just because it wasn't just what i was cooking it also had to have an excellent story and i was like wow do i not have any stories around food at all that i can cook and i was just like completely blank so um so i made sausage rolls but yeah no it was just fascinating cuz i was thinking oh i want to do like all these things like i want to do meze and then i'm like oh Felicity, if you were struggling to cook one thing,
1: maybe don't cook like 25 things. (laughs) I mean, that's interesting because you said, you know, it needs to have this amazing story, which isn't really the point. The point is something that just means something to you. It doesn't have to be like an interesting story. It doesn't have to be, you know, some great earth-shaking moment in your life, but just something that means something to you. So it's interesting that for you that that went to somewhere where you had to come up with something quite impressive, almost.
2: Yeah, right? Like, um, it really did go like It really did go that way. And all the food... Oh, do you know what I think it is? I think it's that all the food that has a meaning or a story is actually a negative story. So okay. I didn't want to bring that to the table. So, I mean, I suppose... I suppose like I'm a bit of an emotional eater and I like to hide away and eat um, from time to time. Mm -hmm. And so the stories I would bring, oh, it's midnight and I can't get to sleep so I'm going to the fridge and I don't really want to feed you like blocks of cheese and like dark chocolate and like, you know, like fingers in the yogurt. Um, Mm -hmm. Or the only other thing I think is I remember this one summer where I couldn't eat omelettes because that summer was a terrible summer and every morning I would get up and make myself an omelette um so like I didn't want to bring you like a depression omelette well, or like a takeaway pizza I guess like I don't cook a lot for mm. myself really
1: mm.
2: and so it wasn't it was quite hard to find something with meaning mm. other than something I suppose I made that something that I was proud of you know
1: something that i'd be proud of yeah yeah well you've kind of opened up really early (laughs) quite a lot of different themes and yeah i think themes that are really important because you know certainly one of the things people are going to be bored of hearing me say this but one of the things i do with the podcast is try to address the fact that food isn't just a non-consequential or incidental thing in our lives it Mm. has it has meaning and Mm. we have a relationship with it and we use it in lots of different ways not just nutritionally but also emotionally and socially and culturally and all of those things and actually what you've just said is one of the main ways actually that you use food is in an emotional way or the thing that certainly came to mind first was the way that you use food to manage emotions or to soothe or to make yourself feel differently from the way that you are feeling at that moment.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really interesting as well that, like, it does make me feel so different and therefore quite often I don't like eating with people or... What do you mean? Well, I suppose... How does it make you feel different? Like, heavier. How do you mean heavier? Heavier, like, energetically heavier, so like a bit more, like a bit slower... Um, like maybe a bit more grounded mm-hmm. this word i've been using quite a lot mm, yeah less sort of bubbly and energetic and more like mm.
1: so it kind of brings you down yeah from a maybe what we might call a slightly manic state would you i'm you not yourself? sure i'm not sure i would say manic i no? would say bubbly <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> From a bubbly place to something that's a bit more
2: mellow. Mellow. Yeah. I don't think I'm used to being mellow with people. I okay. think it's. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm used to communicating or connecting in that place. Like, I think I shut off there
1: or I isolate there or retreat maybe. Okay. So you've got a kind of bubbly up there place which is for people which is for like which is outward facing Mm -hmm. but that quieter more grounded mellow space is where you go for yourself
2: yeah it feels more vulnerable i guess that grounded place it feels like you can't perform very much there and so you kind of just have to like be how you are you know in the same way as like when you've eaten a massive meal you're like I'm sorry, I have to like undo my top button here. Like that's just going to happen. Otherwise, I'm going to be seringly uncomfortable and I'm not gonna be able to continue with the conversation. So yeah, I think I think I think that's it. And I think I also don't like the feeling of coming down from that energetic
1: place or that high place. You describe um, it the way you describe it, it feels almost like a resistance to to coming to that place. Like you don't want to. There's always like a little tantrum yeah
2: it is it's it's really tantrum it's like let me just enjoy this high i'm just gonna try and milk it and squeeze all the juice out of it as much as possible i mean that shows up in my life in other ways but
1: well because you said you can't really perform in that mellow place which suggests then that you're in public you are performing or you think you are performing you feel yourself to and and i guess we all are to an extent we all have a public profile in lots of different ways mm. um but what does that mean for you in terms of not being able to perform when you're in that quieter, and more grounded space
2: it means i'm unedited mm. and it means that i don't have as much energy or maybe i like don't trust myself to be able to really live up to whatever the other person wants like i just have to show up as myself Which is fine. It's just, I always feel, do you know what? I reckon it's I always feel slightly responsible for the other person having a good time.
1: Ah. (laughs) Right? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And actually, one of the reasons that you feel that you perhaps have to shift into this very bubbly, happy, cheerful position Mm. is that you have to be there to entertain the other person. And there's, Maybe. Maybe a part of you that feels responsible for that other person's experience or their emotions or you know, their satisfaction. Yeah.
2: I think I assume responsibility as well. Like, I don't think it's actually there, but I think once you assume it, like the other person responds to that assumption, and then I think it becomes like a self fulfilling prophecy almost. Mm-hmm. And if it switches halfway through whatever you're doing, I mean, like, that's just, like, a bit of an uncomfortable adjustment, you know? Like, suddenly, you've decided to not be this bubbly person anymore. And I suppose I would... Well, like, not, not bubbly, but just different. And I suppose my worry would be that... oh, I suppose I would just feel way more vulnerable.
1: Mm. Yeah. But I think you've linked together a few things that actually do do a similar thing right so there's the the emotional vulnerability of being yourself or not Uh. being your performing self or your outside self with someone but there's also i think something quite vulnerable about eating with other people and also feeding other people right so yeah. Theirs. Thanks, thanks <laughs> for that. Thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for bringing all that to my table. It sounded
2: really simple. <laughs> it sounded like
1: fun, didn't it? Yeah, was... it
2: sounded really simple. I was like, oh my god, why are all these things coming up? <laughs> like, wow.
1: <laughs> you're doing really well, though. <laughs> Thank you. But you know, so when you're cooking for someone else, there's there is a sense. of think one of my previous guests um, described it really well, Claire Nivett and she said that you have to think about what that person likes or you know what their needs are and how you might be able to meet them and there's also an element of you know, wanting to i guess make them happy but also show them that you're thinking about them and, and caring for them and oh, all of that yeah. stuff i
2: mean the 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 i just think that one's the worst you know it's not enough just to think about someone you actually have to show them that you're think that you're thinking about them as well you know it's the equivalent of like wearing your granny's jumper on Christmas day because you love it (laughs) and you have to show her that you love it like look at all my gratitude in wool all over me Um, and look how happy I am even though it's incredibly hot in this house
1: yeah Um, and then on on top of that the eating is a deeply personal thing as well mm. and and I mean, I think there are lots of reasons for that and there are lots that aren't necessarily around kind of secret eating or or things like that, but because it's something that we do when we're safe. So neurologically, you have two parts of the nervous system. So you know, the fight or flight system and then correspondingly, you've got the feed and breed or the rest and digest system. So they're kind of competing. They can't happen at the same time. When you're anxious, when you're stressed, when you're worried, when you're running away from something, you're not hungry, you're not... Stopping
2: wow, that makes
1: sense. Yeah. So you can only properly eat and digest when you're calm and you're safe and you're relaxed. And so there's something and and evolutionarily perhaps you put yourself in quite a vulnerable position when you're eating. You know, you're not looking out for predators, you're not looking out for risks, you're sitting down and you're focusing on on eating your meal. So these are quite you know, there's an idea around how actually the act of eating or eating with people is a, is itself a, a vulnerable act um yeah and how socially you know, certainly recently in modern society the the worry about judgments around our food choices how we eat is what i eat weird you know is the food of my family acceptable to the food of your family all of this stuff comes into it as well so it's it's a massive a massive issue
2: yeah it also makes sense to me uh, now hearing that that maybe it's not that I get stressed if I go out to meet friends but I'm actually not hungry like I just have no appetite like if say if I'm getting ready for a party like it's really hard to eat something before a party like I used to end up sort of chugging milk so that I ate something before I went out Mm -hmm. but I just feel like I mean, I would have
1: called it excitement, but I suppose Mm -hmm. it's the same sort of... um... Stress hormones, which is essentially the same thing that happens when you're excited. It's the same Mm. kind of regulatory system. kicks in the adrenaline and the excitement or the the adrenaline and the stress. It's the same kind of neurological processes.
2: Yeah, it's really... I mean, the other thing is that as well with food, I find once I start eating, I don't want to stop.
1: Carry so on. yeah.
2: <laughs> so it's almost like if left to my own devices, what I would do, and I've actually found I'm like doing this a lot more when I freelance, is just like keep going, like not really eating or have coffee or whatever, until like say four or five pm. Sometimes it's later, mm-hmm. and then I will just eat for, until bedtime, and I don't know whether. Like, whether that's because, you know, I get sluggish and grounded then, Mm -hmm. or... I think, like, I'm just scared of being in that full state, that there's, like, a level of inactivity there. You know, I Mm -hmm. I used to hate the the hour after lunch at work, where it's, like, say, two to three, where Mm -hmm. you're like, everything is so hard, like... (laughs) the only thing that's going to sort this is like a cookie and tea and like maybe i have to go and like have some fresh air because i'm just like so sleepy um so yeah i hate i hate that one and then like struggling to do things while you feel like that
1: it's really interesting you mentioned that because there was recently a big um like a big data analysis of i think people who use a particular productivity tool online Mm. so it's a global tool and they assessed one and a half million people's data and they were able to find the most productive and the least productive times of the day and then aggregate that across the year so something like the most productive at the time when we're most productive is a Monday in October at about 11am because oh, wow. that's the point where just so 11am is a point where people are trying to get things done before lunch monday is a day when people are most productive like most jobs get finished on about 20 uh, percent more jobs get finished or something like that on a monday and then i think the whole end of the year is when all those projects are coming to an end you're trying to get those finished before christmas or the holidays mm-hmm. or whatever um but also that there was a massive slump in productivity at, after lunch and by 4pm it's just Dead. <laughs> Nothing yeah. gets done. People don't do anything. And I think that's really interesting that you've commented on that in yourself that after lunch there is that productivity stump, but you really don't like it. You don't like that feeling of not being productive. Yeah,
2: like I make it mean something about me and then I try and push through it and that's really uncomfortable. So I, and I think I've associated it with eating you know it's like this eating I won't be productive after this eating kind of thing so I've maybe tried to delay it Mm. you know um it's really interesting yeah but it's not just you yeah (laughs) Yeah, globally (laughs) so so don't worry it's (laughs) it's always just about me are you telling me it's not just about me are you telling me I'm not special
1: (laughs) yeah you said you, you mentioned going freelance, so I suppose you should mention for listeners that um what you well what you do, what you did. So you yeah. yeah, the former digital editor at the eye. And and what does that mean? What is a digital editor? What did you do? So
2: what you would do is so you get in about seven or eight o'clock and you have this is what this is what I did. Mm-hmm. I used to look at um, all the stories that had been written the night before so up until about um, 11pm to see like what we had on the site and what we needed to be up to date with Um, you'd look at I used to look at the front pages or I usually would have seen them the night before if I'm honest Mm -hmm. Um, see what we've got there like see if people were talking about them I'd look at BBC homepage maybe Telegraph Guardian look at their homepages or their app homepages see try and read through like see if there's anything that um they left out or picked out like an interesting line that we could maybe build on um later in the day or like a gap in knowledge that made me a bit curious that we could kind of fill in for people
1: because
2: mm-hmm. um, one of the things that i used to always say was that you know people don't read online news in a vacuum or news in a vacuum online um, in the same way as like people buy the paper and mainly just get their news from the paper. Mm-hmm. But they don't buy five papers unless you're my mother and it's a big event. Um <laughs> we have all the papers. <laughs> Gosh. Um and so yeah, so it's important to basically not double up. That was my that was my thing. I and the BBC is so big that if the BBC had written the story, it's probably a waste of time to try and compete and write the same one. Mm-hmm. So, we'd look at like what was most read as well as looking at what was like the top stories, and then i think about how to expand on them. We'd have our morning meeting about eight thirty just for online, and mm-hmm. we'd you know run through what we we're going to do and it'd probably be a mix of like quick writes and longer pieces. Um, yeah, and then it would just all start going on from then. Mm-hmm. I'd edit the stories that were coming in, so that would be like shifting. Shifting, you know, yeah. There's lots of different ways to do this, but say if, um, say if the most interesting line was like further down, we would start that at the top. Quite a lot of times, when copy comes in, um, I just strip out the first two lines on the basis that most people write themselves into stories, so you don't need the first two lines. Um, I might do a quick rewrite of the first line, like sometimes, like my pet hates were. When sentences started in a boring way, so you know if you start it with like research says, mm-hmm. rather than like um, whatever the research actually says, and mm-hmm. you just so yeah, I do that. Do more interesting headlines, and it would just like have interesting like zingy pictures.
1: When you say interesting, what does that
2: translate to? Yeah, this is this was really hard for me to convey to other people as well. And I used to have a big Google Doc of what the headline came in as and what I changed it to, or when I changed a picture and why, um, in order to show people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because for me it happened so almost instinctively that it was quite hard to explain what the thought process was happening behind it. I guess like one of the big ones is like use, using accessible words. So, you would always use children, not offspring, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, use the words that people use. And then you would have, like, tap into people's natural curiosity and do it in a way that's not cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Try not to over exploit formats that people use. So, um, I mean, there was a lot going on about lists at one point. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually think people stopped using them. And now I think people have started using them again. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the other format, I suppose, like, meet the person who X. Um, and that you didn't really meet that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't really meet them anyway because so it was an article. But, like, they hadn't even spoken to that person. So there are a few formats like that. Like, try and think of, like, more fun formats. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. things like that. Things like that, really, I suppose. Interesting. Try and... If there's an adjective that makes sense in there that you can use, mm-hmm. that's that's helpful. Um, don't, again, don't overuse, like adjectives either so you like hilarious probably not hilarious <laughs> like, mildly amusing <laughs> <laughs> read this if you're bored <laughs>
1: but if not you will be disappointed <laughs> and how long so you start from seven eight meeting mm. like, how long then would you be working to when did your day end? Did um, it end no it
2: did so it ended about five o'clock which is actually pretty good um I think the main thing about it is it was just super full on. Um, you used to feel like just so much stuff was going in. Like I think I would probably read about 70 articles a day or something.
0: Mm.
2: And those aren't just the ones that, that, those wouldn't necessarily even be the ones I was editing. Like that's just like information that you're just sifting, sifting, sifting. Um, yeah. And then I did, you did go home and you could switch off. I actually found it very difficult to switch off because mm-hmm. you get into a bit of a cycle with it where you actually want to like keep up with what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like it becomes a bit addictive. Um, and I know I was just on Twitter the whole time. We had to. We, I staged a curfew with my phone at like ten o'clock, or I would just uh, get Twitter off my phone after five p.m. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I just get rid of the app off my phone as soon as I left work because so I was like I'm just going to be this is just a time drain I'm going to be on this so you would uninstall it yeah and then, yeah and then reinstall it in the morning
1: I mean that's quite a serious intervention I mean that's yeah suggests that you couldn't trust yourself not to kind of tap and you just becomes it becomes a habit that you
2: pick up your phone it becomes a habit that you check your phone if I can't stop myself checking my phone and I had to get rid of all the notifications. If I so I need to check my phone from time to time. If I if I there is nothing on Twitter that cannot wait until the morning. I think.
1: No, I, I would agree. And one of the things that I did a little while ago is to turn off my push notifications. Mm. Because I suddenly realised I, I don't I don't need to know right now yeah. <laughs> if someone has liked one of my tweets or whether they've Responded. i need to know at some point perhaps if i put a question out there if i've made a request or you know and i do like to respond to people when they've said when they've reached out to me but i probably don't need to do it as soon as it happens as if everything that comes through on twitter is an emergency
2: right right and it's also really difficult with whatsapp as well because i'm on like so many um whatsapp group threads and they're great but I mean, you can just spend hours and hours, like... And then if you've got any issues with not responding to people, you know, like making them... I mean, I'm actually pretty good at ignoring people, to be honest. But um, if you do have issues... The people seeing that you've read your message and you haven't responded. Mm-hmm. Like there's a thing where you feel like you have to respond straight away, and then they feel they have to respond straight away, and then you're having a conversation, and it's like I didn't actually want I didn't actually have time for this conversation, I didn't even really want to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean now one of the things that I do if somebody says something that I can't really digest properly instead of just going like ha ha or emoji face. I usually say, "Listen, I'm doing something right now, but I want to give this my full attention, so I'll come back to you." Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I come back to them.
1: <laughs> it is interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, the there's something really important I think about the read receipt culture because it does create a pressure, a response pressure. Otherwise, people feel ignored. Whereas, yeah. perhaps if you send someone an email, although some people do do the kind of read receipts on emails as, as well. Like, Chill out, everybody. Um, if you send someone an email and they don't respond to you straight away, you can assume that they're doing something else. You can assume, perhaps, that they're away or that they're working on, on something and that they will get back to you when they can. But there's something about having seen that they've read your message and then not responded. And it's really interesting the, how that affects you, I think. Because I think what it does is, if you don't get an immediate response, is, well, Why? <laughs> Why haven't they responded to me? And then it kind of kicks into our anxieties about what other people might be thinking about us. Why they haven't responded? Have I annoyed them? Have I upset them? Have I done something wrong?
2: It's, it's I a know. Pernicious, I think. Yeah, and there's so many. Um, there's so many platforms that you can have that on as well. So like Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, text. I mean, nobody even texts anymore now, but you can have that too. And you know, it's so easy for people to get in touch which is great in one sense but also my work emails at one point were out of control like um I just remember saying this email situation is revolting (laughs) it is disgusting I cannot cope with this like I've just gone to lunch and I've got 205 emails like I'm not even going to be able to find the ones that I need to read everybody's going to assume that I have read all of them because they have included me on this email I just can't read them and then also with whatsapp like it's great to have lots of friends like it's great I'm not even saying that I necessarily do have lots of friends but you know if you have like 20 people contact you in a day I mean in one sense that's awesome On another sense like Even if you were going to, I can't do the maths here, I'm going to try and do the maths though, but say you had like 25 minute conversations, Mm -hmm. that would be 100 minutes, which is more than an hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's an hour and 40 minutes. It's an hour and 40 minutes of conversations that like you didn't really want to have.
1: Rachel oh, doesn't have to worry about the <laughs> <now. laughs>
2: Like, it's an hour and 40 minutes of conversations that you are just having because you feel obligated, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or because, I don't know, like you just didn't agree to have them. There's something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or that people feel they can and should. And then they build up and then you have like, you know, so many. Mm. I mean, is this normal? <laughs> Do other people feel like this?
1: Well, wait, I, th- I think the idea that a message comes in is is that it has it beeps or there's a little red light next to it mm. or that it has a sense of urgency and, and we end up kind of firefighting and responding immediately to that sense of urgency without making a conscious decision about whether it's a priority or not and the thing about kind of sending someone a message or an email is that you <laughs> the sender basically says this is a priority of yours thank you very much yes <laughs> And so other people are, are able, maybe unintentionally, but they're able to kind of put things on your to-do list without the receiver deciding whether it belongs there or not. And I think we're going to have to get to a point where people have make much more of a conscious decision about how quickly we respond to things or um, I know there was a, an attempt a while back to... Do something with email signatures or you know, to put something in no response necessary or please assume that I've read this, you know, to try to tidy up their inboxes. I mean, maybe that's less of an issue now. I know that in Silicon Valley, there were lots of people doing kind of inbox zero where they would just either delete everything, (laughs) just delete the whole shebang and start fresh, or just go through everything and get to zero and keep it at zero every day. Again, I think that's a massive investment of time if you're someone who receives a lot of email and you know, doesn't have an assistant to go through yeah. it for you um but I don't know I think that's kind of an increasing problem that we're gonna have to start thinking about perhaps more seriously because I think people are under a lot of pressure and I think it's really interesting that as a digital editor you were, were required to be online a lot of the time professionally to then also be required to be connected to your phone or your apps socially as well it means perhaps you weren't spending that much time off your phone?
2: Yeah, I think it's the phone that made a big difference because I was working online before, like, emails were on phones. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, get, like, can you believe that? Um, and it was that that really made the difference. Um, I mean, the other thing, and this is like a bit of a, a weird lament, I suppose, and I don't want to sound like an, in fact, there's nothing wrong with sound like an old granny, but the point is, is that like, you pick up your phone because you have nothing to do and then you get distracted from whatever it is you were thinking about and I started to notice when I picked up my phone and it was usually I came up against like I don't know, a mildly uncomfortable thought probably something like, oh I should do that now like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. the cleaning the whatever, like oh I kind of need to finish that off and instead of like doing anything about it or, you know, or maybe I should go to the gym now um, I would just like pick up and read my phone for like you know the next hour and a half, and so I didn't even really know like what necessarily was going on. That that was that was
1: Mo. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put a little picture of Mo in the book. Familiarize Felicity's dog. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I'm always just gonna strike it. But yeah, so I think. I think it's more that like you don't actually end up with very much time to be
1: creative. Mm-hmm. That's that's my that's my worry. I think that is an excellent point. You're absolutely right. I and mean, there's research. I mean, a lot of the research about the creative process suggest that um, sound like one of your headlines that you would <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: yeah. you have to say it. it's fine I don't I half of the reason I'm so good at writing and editing is because I can't talk like that and so I had to find some sort of way to communicate that was interesting <laughs> um.
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: What we know (laughs) about the creative process is that it's it's largely an unconscious one. That you can't be creative by trying to be creative and sitting there and... and (laughs) I'm feeling a little bit left out I think I know Um. but that actually a lot of what we understand to be creative is, is what happens when we're not occupied with something that it's what happens when the mind is just quietly ticking over by itself and one of the questions that that raises about our current relationship with social media and perhaps how that's going to develop as we become more and more connected to our devices is will we lose or reduce our capacity to be creative because we're so constantly engaged with some new tidbit of information that's coming in on whatever new notification we've got
2: yeah i think it makes so the good news is is that you can break the cycle really quickly and the addiction doesn't seem to have side effects like, I feel like this is why people are not taking it seriously. Mm. The problem is, is that it is very damaging when you're
1: in the cycle. So you feel like you were addicted to social media?
2: Oh, 100%. Like, I had, like... I mean, it's a bit embarrassing, but, like, my hand would hurt from holding my phone. Like, I was just getting a like in, like, a feedback loop with it, and it was great, and it was awesome. But it was also really unhelpful and I was telling myself things like, Oh, this will be like good for your job, um, you just need to like keep on top of this. And like sometimes it would just be recreational. It'd be like, oh I'll just be on here for like, you know, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and it would be like an hour and a half later. It's just such a waste of time. And then on top of that, um you feel quite depleted, you know, you feel like you've been on like a long car drive or something when you get off it and I'm not sure what that is like maybe it's just like all the extra stimulus or maybe it's maybe it's just all the emotions like you're feeling everybody's like emotions that are going on Um and it's just all kind of like some sort of exhausting soup so yeah it, it was it was not it was not good and I remember actually I remember talking to my therapist about it briefly and she suggested leaving my phone outside my bedroom or like just putting it down for five minutes and I was like No. So, I mean, I really do now, but obviously at one point that was seemingly very hard for me Mm. to leave my phone outside the bedroom at night time, which is crazy thinking about it, like crazy, like how
1: how did I need it that much? Um, But yeah. What do you think it was doing for you? What were you getting from it? It's just entertainment really. Mm -hmm. It's like constant
2: entertainment, but like an entertainment where you don't really get bored of it because it's other people. So, well, I just find other people endlessly fascinating. So I was happy to continue. Kind of voyeuristic. Yeah, voyeuristic. You like find things out as well. Like you can fall fall down like a bit of a curiosity hole, which is awesome. You can like discover things you didn't know. Mm -hmm. So all of that is quite... Not only really use the word "addicted" in that sense, but all of that makes like you sort of have the impression that you're feeding yourself mm-hmm. with or like you're finding stuff out, and you're actually not really. Or it's the percentage of the time that that is happening is quite small. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I think we should. What do we think we should do about it? I think just being aware of it is mm-hmm. good. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So. You left the eye, was that about a month ago
2: now? Yeah, yeah, it was about a month and a half ago, yeah.
1: So really recent, and why did you leave, or what else did you Mm. want to do?
2: So, I think for me, um, there are a number of reasons that I left. I think the first one is I started doing some of this personal development work, and I discovered that I had feelings and um, at that point I realised that it was at that point I didn't have agency over them to switch them on and off really and so in terms of news it's just been a terrible year and mm. and being like a news editor is not a good time to discover you have feelings because it's just so much pain and stress so that was like one thing that was pushing me um, I think another thing was I really wanted to focus more on writing and I've spoken a little bit about those um, short, you know, having a very short attention span mm-hmm. and the way 24 hour news works is it's just like really short tidbits and I wanted to do something like write longer and be more creative and the other thing so I wanted to basically write about sex and relationships or things that meant something to me rather than the news which started to just grate on me Mm -hmm. it just it just felt like an endless cycle that wasn't helpful to anyone and that's that's not to say there aren't amazing pieces of work out there I just think the cycle effect or rolling news it's not necessarily helpful and the sheer volume of it as well Mm. it feels very overwhelming environment to work in and I guess the other thing that I didn't want to be on social media all day so none of those things meant that I had to leave but they were factors in making me to decide to do something different and I wanted to also do some life coaching as well. So I'm doing life coaching for people at the moment, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, it feels, it feels like they will fit into each other quite well. And I think there's also just like, I think there's also a limit to be able to see or watch how people interact, watch what's going on in the world and just report on it. Like, at some point, you have to go off in one direction, I think. Yeah. Or that's how it felt for me anyway. I had to make a choice about
1: how I wanted to use everything that I know so far. Yeah. And the choice you made was was relationships and, and sex. Oh. So where did that come from? Or why that particular area oh. of interest going from... Because I mean, it feels like quite a switch from news to sex yeah but, right, but maybe it's not. You tell me
2: <laughs> well, before I did news, I did social media, which is essentially communication, or well, it's just how people um, how people interact online, so going from that to relationships doesn't seem like too much mm-hmm. now, the other thing that really fascinates me is that. Because people get a lot of their news from social media. Like how are they relating to news? How are they relating to events? How are they essentially relating to other people? Or like stories about other people and why are they relating to them in the way that they do? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people I feel like use the news. It has like a purpose in their life that is more than telling them what is going on. And like what they think about it is like an identity signaler. Like, sometimes it's a way of connecting with other people. Sometimes it's just a useful vehicle to get angry at because they don't want to be angry about the actual thing. They'd rather be angry at, you know, something else um, that feels less personal and feels more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So all of those things. And then sex because it's fun and it all comes down to that anyway. In my opinion, it all comes down to sex pretty much. (laughs) And if we had a much healthier... Or if we're much more open about sex and how powerful it is and how great it is without this dangerous level that we sort of put on top of it, I think we could... I want to say we could use our sexuality better. I think we could use our sexuality a lot better. Um, What do you mean? I mean... I mean, there's sort of this this uh, view going on with, or this research going on in like sex and healthcare, or like orgasm and healthcare, mm-hmm. orgasm and health, and the idea that like it creates all these chemicals in the brain that are incredibly good for our bodies and can help us in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this might be, and you know, it's free as well. It's free and it's healthy and there's no side effects. I mean, I can't, I don't understand why nobody's done it before. So yeah, that's. I'm also fascinated by looking at that and not just being sort of sex positive, Mm -hmm. but actually it being kind of, part of our bodies Mm -hmm. and doing something for our bodies almost like an act of self-care like a place to get nourished Mm -hmm. in the same way in the same way as you might you know your sexual appetite is the same as
1: your your actual appetite yeah I I think because you've started kind of using kind of food associated words and I I think there isn't really a coincidence in that because I think there is a link between um our idea of of appetites and like Mm. whether that's for food or whether that's for sex or whether that's for excitement or whether that's for that there's something about how we relate to our appetites, how acceptable our appetites are, whether other people will make a judgment about the things that we enjoy, um, that I think does overlap. And, you know, there's something when we think of like a bon vivant, that's someone who indulges their appetites in, in all the ways, you know, they're a gourmand and they have these wild and wild sex lives or they mm. might be, you know, it's it sits part and parcel as, as someone who is able to partake in all of life's pleasures, for example. Whereas there are similarly views about, which is slightly more puritanical, about both food and sex and other interests and whether that's a slightly more pious thing to do. And we have this idea, this belief that restricting or limiting your appetites whatever they might be is is better it's good is um virtuous you know and yeah I mean I just I think it's I think
2: it's so interesting and there's this there's this thing that I read once and it really stuck with me and it's kind of like the problem of being like a spiritual being in a human body because <laughs> the body will always let you down in some ways if you want to see it like that and yet it's like an integral part of like what the battle is you know how to be like a spiritual being in a human body um and you have to love your body like you have to work with it and having worked online for so long i feel like i was just like a sort of you know a mind in a jar a head in a jar kind of thing like all i used was like my hands and my brain and so I'm really fascinated by like actually feeling into my body more and using that as more of a compass for, you know, what I want or what makes me feel good mm-hmm. rather than just kind of intellectual pursuit, say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like if you go down that route where you say, you know, exercise is awesome, uh, yoga is awesome, I do think yoga is awesome then and exercise can have an effect on the mind then obviously all the body pleasures can in some way and so we have to look at you know how we can use those to, how we can use the body to support the mind and how we can use the mind to support the body i feel mm. and the fact that they're just really interrelated mm. um, completely and i feel like sex and food can't be left out of that. I feel like we're moving towards a more like conscious place with food definitely
1: I'm not sure we're there with sex yet mm. well, one of the things you do is to run well they're not always polls but sometimes they are but you ask a lot of quite, which I really like about your content actually, questions that are about real things like mm. interesting asking people about their ideas or, or their sexual experiences or yeah. their emotional worlds and it's, yeah. it's not often that you get those sorts of um questions being raised on Twitter. So what have you is are there any kind of big themes or interesting tidbits that you've discovered when you've asked these questions? Because I know you open up your DMs and people. Oh yeah, I
2: mean like there's been loads of fascinating things, like absolutely fascinating. By the way, my big desire right is not to is to change everybody's like, oh we need to let all the kids know that like what's on social media is not real um people that edit their lives. And I just think like, oh, how about we just show people how to not edit their lives? Like, that would be good. Like, why don't we just like show people how to be more truthful instead of just telling our kids everybody is dishonest? Like that that was one thing. And then the other thing with social media that drives me wild is um oh god I can't remember because it drives me so wild, obviously. Um oh, this is the one on Echo Chambers. Uh, like, it's too much of an echo chamber, Uh, Facebook needs to change it, like, so people don't just get the news that they feel is correct. And I think, well, how about we show people the benefit of being uncomfortable, otherwise there's no reason for them to just be, like, bombarded with news they don't, (laughs) like, don't agree with and don't appreciate. Like, there's just no point to that. Um... Like, people have to realise that there's some sort of benefit to being uncomfortable or being confronted. Otherwise, they're just going to switch off. So, yeah, that was the other thing. But um, the things I found fascinating, and these sort of link to those. Um, So, the first one is when women are usually more likely to reply in public, men are usually more likely to reply by DM unless women are talking about sex. In which case, they're more like his DM. So that's kind of interesting. Interesting. Um, The other one that I found super interesting is when I said, what emotion are you least... Like, what emotion do you feel most vulnerable about showing in public or most uncomfortable about showing? And people really knew the answers to that question. And I remember I just asked it quickly... Um, while my friend was getting a drink Um, so I was on my own for a couple of minutes and I opened it up when I went to the bar next I had like 40 DMs I was like wow people really want to um, talk about this so that was fascinating there was nothing I could really sort of do with it in terms of like you know it wasn't really necessarily a poll or anything but Mm -hmm. it just obviously tapped into something the other thing which I thought was oh gosh my favourite thing is uh, people who like to talk about sex as if they never have it. So I remember, like, there was a, there was a BBC story recently saying that anal sex is becoming more popular amongst, like, a younger group mm-hmm. of straight, um, straight teenagers, I think. And I sort of posed the question... And people had all sorts of theories about why that was without ever referencing themselves or their own sort of sexual experience. So that was... I found that quite fascinating as well. Um, Like the theoretical sex. Mm -hmm. I love a bit of theoretical (laughs) sex. Um, That was great. And then what other ones are really fascinating? This one was kind of obvious like in many ways, but it was quite nice to hear from people like what people do when they have like a bad emotion or a negative emotion not that there are necessarily any mm. negative emotions but like what people do with it so I was fascinated by that as well what,
1: what did people say a
2: whole range of things like mainly it was activity mm. which feeds into my opinion that all emotions are energy you so want to like expel it in some way um there were and, and lots of people went outside as well, so exercise was one. Yeah. Um, some other people had some sort of other, like some people had the opposite, so they would stay very still, like sit with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one woman said she would turn off all the lights in her bathroom and lock the door and just sit there for 15 minutes mm-hmm. in the dark, just to kind of feel it, and then it would just go... Um, and some people would like ask what it wants to show them and then like follow their emotion as well it was just sort of fascinating Mm. like the whole range of responses and um there, there were men and women sort of opening up in that way I also love this response where somebody was like I listen to a playlist that like matches my mood that kind of that, that felt quite good as well. I don't, I don't really know why. It's maybe like permission to feel that thing. Um, but there are lots of other things as well. Smoking, drinking, eating. Um, some people were like cooking because not only do I have something to take my mind off it, I also have a tasty meal at the end of it. <laughs> which, 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 which was a good point, um, to be fair. Mm.
1: There's something curious about the... Um, when You said that women will... More likely to respond publicly unless it was about sex, mm. which again kind of makes me think about this idea about women's appetites in general and how you get this thing where women will say, like if you watch first dates or anything, where women will say, Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to have a pudding because. You know what will he think? Or should I? You know that the classic first date thing, where the woman says she's not hungry, or she just has a salad, or and that there's this idea still being perpetuated that women have to watch their appetites um, in public,
2: yeah, and that
1: the real indulging, the real kind of taking of what you want, happens very quietly in private, um, and and doesn't really get spoken about. And so there's something about you just maybe just reflects that in maybe quite a superficial way but um this idea that women won't speak openly about their sex life they'll talk about it but quietly and in private as if
2: yeah and almost like um yeah it's funny actually i go to these um i go to these gender groups and it's just really men like there's you know men and there's women and it's more kind of themed about like Getting in touch with being a woman and getting like having some sisters and having you all support each other and the idea is is that like sometimes we pity get pitted against each other and we don't want it to be like that. Anyway, there's they say a funny thing and they say um like so what happens in the men's group is they all come out sort of crying and you ask them what they've been talking about and they're like can't talk about it it's confidential men's group very confidential Um, and the women all come out laughing because we just go in and talk about sex Um, (laughs) and they say that like um, women like to go down and men like to go up so when you go you like have two minutes to share or whatever Mm -hmm. and they say like if somebody's had a bad week it's really okay for you to have a good week so don't feel like you have to say oh you heard a bad week but wait until you hear about my week and then the next person like wait until you hear about my week and they put those rules in because apparently like at the beginning like women's group would just be like a big soggy mess and nobody wanted to go um,
1: like competitive misery <laughs> yeah
2: and apparently like the men's group it was like oh i had an awesome week like <laughs> you think you had an awesome week wait until you hear about my week um
1: so yeah they have to watch that in men's group. Apparently, so the gender group that you go to—is there? Is it just about your experience of being a woman? Like, what's? Is there a purpose? Is there an overall goal, or is it about what emerges when people come together? What what Um, happens? I think it's
2: about sort of supporting each other, really, and also having a space where you feel you can talk about things without a man being there, Mm -hmm. really. And not being influenced by that, um, and also so that the women bond together as a group rather than, yeah, rather than all try and just get competitive. Really,
1: is that is that a difference that you notice when it's just all women versus when there is presence of? There?
2: I think maybe the focus naturally tends towards man being there
1: mm-hmm.
2: perhaps mm-hmm. yeah I think there's I think there's a way that we default to a male presence
1: mm-hmm.
2: sometimes my dad might disagree <laughs> 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 um,
1: So what are, are your plans? Now
2: for the future, what do you want to do? Where are you going? Okay, so um, I want to write more about sex. I've written a little bit about relationships and sex, not enough. And conscious sex is something that I really want to explore and like what trends are going on there. So, like, sex is healthcare, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, um, or like healthy sex, um, and the different ways that people are incorporating sex into their lives other than just because it's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Seeing what else people are doing with it, really. Um, And I also want to continue life coaching Mm because I find it so great to see people, just, like, help people over, like, little hurdles as well. And it teaches me a
1: lot about myself Mm -hmm. as well as, like, giving something to someone else. So is there anything... I mean, other than following you, um, that the audience can do to help you in kind of your pursuits. So, um, is there anybody you particularly want to hear from, or stories you'd like to? Yes, I want told. to hear your
2: sex and relationship stories. <laughs> I really want to hear your sex and relationship stories, and I want to hear, especially if you found any sort of body work or like physical touch or you know any sort of those conscious practices helpful. Um, yeah, get in touch. Just tweet um,
1: you, <laughs> email. Yes, what's the me. best way? um
2: Tweet me. I think yeah. at Felicity Moss, or look me up on Facebook where I am also Felicity Moss. Oh, Fabulous.
1: Felicity. Thank you. Thank for for you for having me over and for the sausage rolls that, despite causing you <laughs> so much headache, <laughs> were <more> delicious. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it and. um yeah, I wish you all the best of luck with your next career move. Great! Thanks coming. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks again to Felicity for being my guest. You can find and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Felicity Morse, that's F-E-L-I-C-I-T-Y-M-O-R-S-E and on Facebook as felicity.morse.3. In upcoming episodes, I talk to a Premier League and international footballer about his relationship with food and his new food business, and I really hope you'll join me for that. Until then, thank you very, very much for listening, and I wish you the very best of health.